Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Polyglot Podcast, a podcast meant to share and feature the unique voices and stories of language learners from all over the world. My name is Claire, and today we have a very special guest with us, Constance, who will be talking about learning a language from a teacher's perspective, and also her experience with learning English as well as other languages. Without further ado, I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Thank you. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Fluency for Teens podcast, and we're so excited to have our another guest today. So would you please introduce yourself and what languages you're learning? Yeah, so hi, my name is Constance. Um, I am German by birth, but I'm learning a ton of languages. So obviously I speak English. Um, I'm learning French, Portuguese, Japanese, Dutch, Italian, and a whole bunch more. <laughs> All right, that's great. And can you tell us a bit about your language journey? So where did it really start? What was the first language you learned and where did it go from there? Yeah, so I started learning English when I was about 10. And um, yeah, I just learned it in high school, like we start high school at 10 in Germany. And um, I went through a bilingual program. So half of my schooling at the time was in German, the other half was in English. And yeah, I I was just fascinated from the very moment that I started learning English. It was like, I don't know, a new world that opened uh, to me at that very moment. And prior to that, I had never had any exposure to other languages. So for me, this was completely new. And I didn't know any other people who spoke foreign languages. So it was like a whole new planet or world that opened up. And um, at my high school, I also had the chance to learn two other foreign languages, um, French and Spanish, and it just, yeah, kind of made me more and more curious to, yeah, dive into other languages in the future as well, and to also put them into practice by like living abroad. Um, yeah. Okay, great. And what like fascinates you most about languages or kind of like what do you like most about like this hobby? Mm, so I'm very interested in sounds and I, I feel like each language has a very different sound and you can kind of... <laughs> yeah showcase a different personality so you can switch personality a little bit and I find that quite fun um, and you can also learn a lot about other cultures and it just really broadens your your worldview and it's just very interesting um, yeah hobby I guess <laughs> yeah that's great and I definitely agree it definitely like broadens your worldview which I also appreciate most about learning languages so you kind of mentioned earlier that you are like a language teacher. So can you maybe talk about like um, learning languages from like a teacher's perspective? Yeah. So I have been teaching English for a while and um, yeah, I'm a non, non-native English speaker. So in the beginning I was a bit um, confused as to why I got the chance to teach English. But then I later on learned that, yeah, it's it's not only about like being a native speaker, but you just have to have a passion, I guess, for the language. And as a teacher, like being a student and a teacher kind of has given me the understanding of where the student is coming from. And I have a lot of empathy towards my students because I know their struggles and especially because I am teaching English and I learned English myself. Like I really remember the journey. I remember exactly like which points were confusing and I remember how long it took me to get to these points. So I, um, yeah, I can encourage students not to give up and I'm 
um, yeah, I guess I can be, yeah, with them on the journey rather than just being the teacher who's like on <laughs> the, the, the authority, but more like being with them on the same level and like guide them through that journey. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And honestly, for a non-native speaker, you sound like completely fluent. Like I would have never known that you <laughs> learned it yourself first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how has this like experience from being a student and then shifting to teaching the language kind of maybe impacted um, the way you've approached other learning other languages? So like, did you pick up on any new methods or like um, from teaching, did you see any like ways that worked better for students? Mm. I've, I've learned a lot of things that what not to do as a student, I guess, as a teacher, because uh, I think it's, so you have to really find like material that's relevant to you. So sometimes if I have to teach from a book, I sometimes yeah, wonder whether that is the best way to do, because it might not be completely relevant to the student. Um, and also, yeah, I guess I'm just a lot more aware of how languages work now. I think this whole idea of that you have to be aware what changes how the language works that's something I've discovered um, over the years that it's not about just like reading a book and somebody teaching at you and you kind of like absorbing that but you really have to understand and notice how the language works um, on your own the teacher can just tell you that piece of information but later you have to discover um, that that is actually being used that grammar point or that people yeah use that in real life and then you slowly start understanding yeah, that the language works this way so it's a lot about not only learning from the book but really like putting yourself out there and really yeah, noticing how the language is alive so to speak yeah that's great mm -hmm. and then do you have any like favorite like drills or like maybe methods that you um, suggest to students to use or that you've started to realize are, is like really helpful to kind of understand language better, or like memorize grammatical rules or vocabulary? Mm, I think the most important thing is that you do something every day. Like I'm really, yeah, I think working on a language just a few minutes every day, that's the key, like no matter what you do, um, especially if you have a hard time keeping your motivation up. Um, I do like to, I have I go through phases I do like to use little apps like Duolingo flashcards apps and things like this I do like to listen to podcasts I like to like vary my language learning so I think you shouldn't focus just on one skill but really like yeah expose yourself to all skills if possible um, but just yeah do it regularly <laughs> yeah that's great and so for non-native speakers um, non-native English speakers what would you kind of recommend to better study and understand language yeah, like don't don't try to memorize grammar rules. Like it's a good thing to hear them once, um, but you might not understand what that means. So the important thing is that you have heard that rule or you have heard the teacher mention um, a, a new word, and then it's your task to go out into the world and then hear that word or that grammar point being used and then noticing, oh yeah, okay, people are using this grammar point here. Ah, interesting. So you have to be curious and yeah, put yourself out there. You can't just like be passive all the time. You have to really like activate your speaking and yeah, you have to surround yourself with people who speak that language as much as possible. Um, yeah. 
And what do you think is like the hardest part of the language or the English language or like what has been kind of um, a struggling point that many students have found themselves in? So because I'm, I'm a native German, um, the hardest part for a German speaker is the different tenses in English because in mm -hmm. German you tend to use the, the, the present simple or the simple present tense for the future and like, yeah, the present and a lot of other um, yeah, tenses are, there's one past tense and in English there's a whole lots, of, like a whole bunch of different tenses. So that's the hardest point. And when I think also other students struggle with that because the tenses don't exist in the same way in their languages, like they use them in different, um, yeah, in different situations. Um, so that's quite tricky. Right, yeah, I would definitely say that the tenses are a bit confusing, especially from one language to another. Um, what would you suggest to like, or how did you kind of overcome this obstacle? really by listening to people like <laughs> I would just I had friends who are native speakers I would just like listen to people speak and I would like like I said before I would like be aware I would notice oh they're using like the present perfect tense mm -hmm. I just still don't know how to use it but apparently that that's how you use it in this situation and then I would just kind of like take that in and I wouldn't quite understand why I had to use it in that moment, but I would just memorize it. And next time I was in a similar situation, I would just repeat until it started feeling natural to me. And um, so I kind of like internalized the grammar more, yeah, naturally, yeah. intuitively, rather than learning it from the book. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be, that's like a great way to kind of immerse yourself in language. Um, yeah, and I definitely think like putting into practice, like you said, is like uh, very useful. So kind of like going back to um, talk about you. So can you again uh, talk about like the other languages you're learning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like I said, I, I'm learning a whole bunch of languages. I think I'm currently on language number eight. Um, <laughs> I have learned, yeah. So, I mean, I learned English, um, French and Spanish in high school and I had quite a decent level coming out of it. Like I'm actually, one of the lucky people who had decent or very good teachers, in my opinion, and I actually left high school being able to like apply those languages. Um, I then moved to the Netherlands to do my bachelor's degree over there, and I kind of like picked up Dutch along the way because it's very similar. It. I just threw myself into different situations where I had to speak Dutch and kind of picked it up from there. Um, but yeah, honestly, that was the easiest language for me to learn because it's pretty much between English and German. Um, then I, what was the next language? I moved to Japan, actually. And um, yeah, I started learning Japanese while I was over there. There was a whole other story. That is a language that's a lot more difficult, I think, for a yeah, native German or a speaker to learn. And I had to put a lot more effort into this and a lot more like traditional study, you know, like reading and writing and flashcards and all this kind of, yeah, thing that, you know, I didn't have to do with Dutch. Um, and then I've also uh, worked on Portuguese and Italian, which are like Romance languages. And because I knew I know French and Spanish, um, it's not been that difficult. Um, I can kind of, yeah, the, the grammar makes a lot of sense to me because my, I would say my French grammar understanding is fairly decent and that has helped me like in understanding how like Portuguese grammar or Italian 
um, grammar works and then the vocabulary is obviously quite similar. I mean, not in, not in terms of pronunciation, but let's say, yeah, Spanish is probably closest to Portuguese and Italian vocabulary. And um, yeah, that's been helpful and sometimes confusing too, of course. <laughs> yeah, so at the moment, I think I'm busy. I'm the most busy with like uh, making sure I don't mix those mix up those languages. Um, that's been the challenge, I think, recently because of the four Romans languages I'm now working on. Um, yeah, and I think that kind of leads me to my next question, which is like, as a polyglot learning all these different languages, how are you managing to balance and like um, learn so many at like kind of the same time? I mean, first of all, I think you cannot work on all the languages at the same time. Right. <laughs> um, I have, I think the maximum of I've tried has been like working on three to four languages at a time. And well, that means that I won't go into depth that much in each language. And so I think you have to kind of maybe choose one language that is your main language that you want to focus on and then you study that maybe daily and then I usually work on one or two other languages more for fun to like keep up that level and I switch those languages regularly so like in the pandemic 2020 I was working on Dutch I went through the whole uh, Duolingo in Dutch and then last year I decided to work on my Japanese a bit again and this year I went back to like French and Portuguese a bit so but knowing that those are not my primary like languages that I'm working on right now, that's Italian. So you kind of have to prioritize um, the languages and maybe learn or study, work on them on different days, or at least with a long break in between, like you shouldn't uh, work on your Spanish and then switch right over to Portuguese. That's going to, yeah, mess up your head quite a bit, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And along the way, you know, from learning all these different languages, have you like found like perhaps any exciting discoveries um, after learning so many different ones? Like, for example, did you see any like um, fun similarities between like uncommon languages that you wouldn't expect or um, yeah, anything like that? Yeah, I think the funniest uh, similarity I found was between Spanish and Japanese, mm. which are two completely different languages, oh. right? Um, but I noticed that to me, the pronunciation seems very, very similar. So the, like in Spanish, you pronounce the, the word exactly as it is written. And technically in Japanese, if you wrote it out in Romaji, which is like the alphabet, you would also pronounce it the way it is written down. And like the vowel sounds and the consonant sounds like close-ish to German, I would say. Not exactly, but um, so while I... Yeah, when I lived in Japan, I was not able to speak Spanish anymore because my brain just was able to produce Japanese. Like I had no problem speaking French because that was a different kind of, my jaw was positioned differently. <laughs> but for like Spanish, it just, yeah, didn't work anymore. So I found that really, really fascinating because I would never, I would have never made a link between those two languages. Um, I think that's the most, yeah interesting one yeah for um, sure I would have never expected that either <laughs> no um and recently actually what I also found interesting was that I'm learning Italian at the moment and um I thought Spanish was the closest language to Italian and then I purchased a program to learn Italian and I accidentally purchased it in French not in English like I usually use English as a base language 
And I, yeah, misclicked or whatever, and the program turned out to be in French. And I thought, oops, now I have to use French as my base language. And then I kind of realized, though, that that has, yeah, that is very helpful because the French, like French grammar is so close to Italian grammar. And it's kind of, yeah, shocked me that it's closer for me than like Spanish to, to Italian in that regard, in terms of grammar. Um, and that's actually been a helpful purchase in that way, like a lucky coincidence. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, what a lucky coincidence, just like you said. Um, yeah, that is really interesting that um, Italian and French are actually more similar. Yeah, so you also kind of mentioned earlier about like your experience in Japan. Can you maybe talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I went over to Japan just because, I don't know, I had... <laughs> I guess I had a sudden interest in in the country, um, not so much into the pop culture, but more into this traditional culture. Um, out of all the countries I've traveled to, it's the one that's the most different to my own culture. So I've traveled to like over 40 countries and Japan just stands out as being especially different and um, interesting and exciting. So I went over there, I traveled, I did some volunteer work and I just, yeah, really fell in love with the, the language and the culture. And um, I met an English teacher who then asked me whether I would like to teach at her school. Um, and I was kind of surprised. I was like, I'm German, I'm not even a native speaker. Why would you want me to teach English? And she said, no, you'll be fine. Um, I can mentor you and help you. And yeah, I ended up staying there for like two years. And uh, that's how I even like, that's how I actually started my, my teaching journey. <laughs> um, I had not planned on becoming a teacher prior to that moment. And ever since then, yeah, I've been teaching English. So. Um, it's been a real great experience and yeah. Yeah, that's really great. Um, can you maybe talk about like one of uh, a memorable experience in Japan? Mm. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, yeah, I just always really enjoyed anything culturally that we don't have. So maybe one, one thing would be wearing um, yukata, which is like the summer kimono. So going to a summer festival, but instead of wearing your regular clothes, you would wear like a summer kimono. Um, and I also participated in a festival where I'd like, um, I would hit a drum and yeah, in the right rhythm and people had to move to that. So um, things, yeah, where I was involved in cultural events, um, what else? I have, <laughs> I have made mochi um, by pounding the rice with a huge hammer. Um, that was a crazy experience because you really use like cooked rice and you pound it and one person has to move the dough and the other person has to pound and you have to go in the right rhythm so that you don't hit each other. Um, that was, that was great. So they're really, yeah, these things that I'd never seen before. Um, yeah, I've seen videos of how they made the mochi, and I'm always like, how did they get their hand out at the right time? Because it looks exactly amazing. it's you gotta find your rhythm, and I mean, you gotta find it <laughs> off the start, right? <laughs> right off the start. So, yeah, I really loved. I love that. I really, I'm really into Japanese like food, and mm -hmm. to this day, I still make a lot of food myself at home. Um, mm -hmm. I've taught myself how to make various things. Uh, yeah, because food is really. I think, yeah, amazing over there, so. Yeah, 
And when coming to Japan, did you ever have like um, kind of like an eye opener, like when you came into the country expecting one thing, but then like um, it kind of went, you know, the or like it wasn't what you expected? I guess people were more open than I expected them to be. Like, uh, I guess most people would always say, oh, people in Japan are very shy and maybe a bit more closed. And in my experience, that is true to a certain extent, but I just met a lot of people who were very, who were very curious about me and they wanted to learn about, you know, the foreigner because um, I lived in a very small seaside town. So there weren't that many foreigners over there. And then people were very open and they were very, very welcoming. They would invite me to their homes and they would take me on trips. And I just thought, oh, but people are really like lovely and great hosts and very yeah, accommodating. So um, that was a very positive um, experience for me in that regard. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Japan is definitely one of the destinations that I would like to go one day. Yeah, highly recommend it. I am waiting to go back, so <laughs> actually, yeah. Yeah, so it's just kind of like a final question. What are some of your future plans? Do you plan on maybe going to a few more countries or studying a bit more languages? Yeah, so I'm actually um, I'm currently planning like on returning to Japan at a yeah in the future depending on how COVID um, evolves and yeah whether I can enter the country on certain yeah um, rules um, and I'm also working on my Italian at the moment so I'm actually planning on yeah visiting the country for a few months like I like to really move to the country even if it's for a shorter time and then like live there um, and really yeah work on the language while I'm there like not only work on the language but learn about the culture and talk to as many pe uh, people as possible so I'm very excited to yeah start on that in probably about a month. Yeah, well, good luck on your future studies. Um, hope you have a good experience back at Japan and Italy. And thank you so much for sharing about like your advice and your story. It's been really nice to talk with you. Thank you, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. I hope they enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please tune in for future episodes. If you would like to be a guest on my podcast, please feel free to reach out to me at Claire's Languages on my Instagram. Thank you.